Welcome to the Genuine Creative Podcast with Melissa Hurt. Here's where I'll be helping creatives get through mindset blocks, step into wellness and self-care practices, and overcome imposter syndrome so that you can live genuinely as a creative person, putting your greatest gift out into the world. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I wanted to talk to you today about a topic that's sensitive to me because it's kind of personal. I guess a lot of the topics I share with you are because they're very meaningful for me as a creative person. But the topic I want to share with you today is about anxiety and anxiety management. I am no stranger to anxiety, and I actually am thankful for this movement that's happening where people are being much more open about their mental health, behavioral health challenges. I started to experience anxiety probably in middle school. I'm sure it had something to do with puberty and that onset of hormones, but certainly there were life situations happening that were obviously outside of my control, as they usually are when you're that young age. I had a hard time feeling grounded and secure in those circumstances, and so anxiety came up for me. Now, what is anxiety? What's the actual definition of anxiety? Anxiety is a fear or a worry about circumstances that seem real but are actually imagined. Now, bear with me here. Anxiety is when our thoughts get the better of us. They spin out of control and we start creating scenarios and outcomes that have not actually happened. But because of a stimuli that's in front of us, something that is real, we launch into an imagined future. Now, as a creative person myself, my imagined future got pretty extraordinary, as I'm sure is true for a lot of creative people. We have the gift of huge imaginations. And so that's why I feel for creative people, anxiety can really be debilitating because we're able to go to very big places with it. Now, anxiety is a normal condition. It is a normal response to what may feel like an abnormal circumstance. However, constant anxiety or feeling that dull whir of anxiety or tension, nervousness in your body, that's not normal and it can overhaul your life. Now, I have experienced anxiety that is that dull, constant whir, and you don't tend to notice it. It just kind of becomes your state of being. It becomes the lens through which all of your experiences happen. And it wasn't until I started actively managing and even treating my anxiety that I realized that I had been living in that elevated state, that very uncomfortable elevated state for many years. And I'll share with you what helped me and not as a means to diagnose what may help you, but just to share my experience with it and normalize the conversation around anxiety. So for me, anxiety feels like I've been whirled off the ground in a tornado of thoughts and fears. I literally feel like I'm not on the ground. I'm just elevated, right? 
and I tend to flit around, walking very quickly, pacing the room, or I shake my hands, or I just start to kind of have a freak out when it really takes hold of me. When I am in a moment of extreme anxiety, my breathing gets very shallow and it's really only moving into my upper chest. It can also tighten my throat, so I feel like I can't speak. Now, what I know about the breath as a certified yoga teacher and as a certified voice and speech trainer is that the breath has physiological effects, meaning it affects your biochemistry. Now, we are all chemical beings, and our chemistry impacts our thoughts. And so, yes, what you think affects your biochemistry, and your biochemistry can impact your thoughts, which is why mindset is so important and is really the larger umbrella that this podcast holds over all of the topics I share with you because mindset really is everything. But today we're talking about the physical and physiological impact of anxiety. So if your breath is short and shallow and really only moving into your upper chest, it can elevate your heart rate. An elevated heart rate can then motivate more release of cortisol from your adrenal glands. And cortisol is the stress hormone. Now, if you're releasing this hormone throughout your body and it's circulating throughout your body, your anxiety can get worse from there. And it creates this torturous cycle of your anxiety worsening, your breathing getting more shallow, your throat tightening up more. Maybe now you're worried about your throat tightening up or your chest feeling tight. It's just a horrible, horrible cycle. Now, what on earth stops the cycle? Believe it or not, it is your breath. So we have to breathe intentionally, meaning you have to check yourself and you have to challenge the thought that is creating this fantasy, right? Because remember, anxiety is getting lost in an imagined future. So we have to challenge it actively. So now, when you feel anxiety sweeping you off of your feet, you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. First, notice the sensations you feel inside of you, the physical sensations and the emotional sensations. Chances are you will feel these as interconnected. So for me, I tend to feel tingling in my hands and a pounding in my chest, maybe a tightening in my chest and my throat. And the emotions that I feel are fear, insecurity, feeling out of control as if I need to do something or say something, but I cannot. Now you can imagine how those emotional feelings connect with the physical sensations I'm feeling. Because if I feel like I need to do something, but I have no power to do something, my hands are shaking because they want to do something, but they don't know what to do, right? My throat's tightening up and I want to say something, but I physically can't because my throat's tightening up. And that's going to bring about more fear and insecurity. It all interrelates. Now, my hands shaking when I get really, really anxious makes sense to me for two reasons. First, shaking is the body's natural pain reliever for discomfort. Think about it. When you're standing in the freezing cold, we shiver. That's the body's natural response to that extreme cold. And of course, we know the shivering is creating heat. 
What we also shake when we get a steam burn, think about when you're making tea and you reach past the steam blast in the kettle and you go, oh, ow, and you start to shake your hand. That's, you're not consciously thinking, oh, I should shake. Your body's doing that naturally to relieve the pain. So for me, when I'm feeling the pain and discomfort of anxiety, heightened anxiety, my hands shake. And it's trying to dissipate that pressure that I'm feeling in my nervous system. And number two, if I feel like I need to do something or take action on something, my hands want to take charge by writing something, crafting something, but they feel lost in some way, right? So imagine like here I am pacing the room because my feet don't know where to go. My hands are doing the same thing. They don't know how to express what I need to do. So that's for me personally, but what about you? When you're feeling yourself caught up in the throes of anxiety, can you take a moment to hit the pause button and turn your awareness inward and notice the sensations that are happening to you and see if you can actually sit with those sensations? So feel where they are in your body and then sit with them and observe them as if you're just watching someone across the street experiencing it. And then as you observe these sensations happening inside of you, ask, what are they saying to you? I know that sounds Looney Tunes, but really, what are the sensations saying to you? Because you'll get a thought that'll come up for you that you need to challenge. Okay, so that's step one. Step two, you need to grab your physiology by the reins and pay attention to your breath. A slow, steady breath can completely and totally turn this around for you. So a breathing practice that I really love, mainly because it's very easy to remember, is box breathing. So imagine you've drawn a picture of a box. Now don't get all fancy on me for the visual artist and actually draw a cube that's like three-dimensional. Let's just call it a square. So I want you to picture four sides of a square. Now imagine you are tracing your finger on the edges as you inhale for the length of one side, exhale for the length of another side, inhale for the length of another side, and exhale for the length of the last side. So you don't have to actually move your finger, although some people do like moving their hand when they do it so they can be really on top of the imagery and the feel of their breath. But now you're going to add a count to this. So for each length of a side, inhale or exhale on a count of five. Now these are slow fives. One, two, three, four, five. Now that rate of breathing will start to steady your breath from that short, shallow panicky in your chest and it will deepen your breath more into your belly, your sides, and your back, which is where you want to feel your breath moving. When you feel your breath moving in your sides, back, and belly, what that movement of the breathing diaphragm is doing is it's massaging your internal organs. So then your adrenal glands can get a little bit of a relaxation effect, which the adrenal glands sit on top of your kidneys, which are in your mid-back. So they're going to benefit from that your intestines and your stomach, your liver, they're all gonna get a little bit of a massage. Think of like a deep diaphragmatic breath as giving your insides a really great hug 
we all need a hug. But what it's doing is it's helping to regulate your biochemistry so that you can process your food better, digest your food better, have a better biochemical, physiological response from all the food you've eaten. And you'll just feel more balanced in every way overall. So you're going to inhale and exhale on a count of five. Well, then the next step is you're going to advance this by exhaling for longer than the inhale. So the longer exhale will slow down the heart rate that much more, and it will steady the mind that much more. So inhale on a count of five, exhale on a count of seven. Now I'm giving the, you these numbers as a starting point. If inhaling on a count of five feels like you're gasping, gulping for air, do it on a count of three, and then exhale on a count of five. Just make sure that the exhale is longer than the inhale. Now, once you start to feel steady, you can now examine the thoughts that carried you away. Now, again, you know I'm all about keeping it real. So you have to keep it real with yourself with that lens of loving kindness for yourself. Keeping it real does not mean you're calling yourself bad names and criticizing yourself. You're just saying, all right, girl, what's up? I like to do what I call the conspiracy test when I have thoughts that sweep me off my feet. So a conspiracy is imagining a catastrophic result off of very limited factual evidence, very limited. So for example, now this is a fictitious story, but let's just say I sent an email to a work superior sharing a project that I worked on really hard and I'm immediately hoping that they praise it. Like they're on their email and they say, wow, this is awesome. You did such great work. So I send them this email, I send them my work and I don't hear from them for the rest of the day. And then I don't hear from them the next day. And then I don't hear from them that next day and I start to worry and I start to fear that they hated my work and that they're examining options to get rid of me. Now, I may actually hear from that person on the third day and they might say, well, I was at a conference, I wasn't at my email. And then they may respond to the work I sent them. And I might realize, okay, maybe I shouldn't have gone off the deep end on those days when I hadn't heard because of course, on those days that I hadn't heard from them, all the irrational thoughts are popping up for me. Like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna be fired. They think my work sucks, they think I suck. They thought everything was terrible. They're talking to HR to figure out options. And I begin to internalize that I'm terrible. They think my work is terrible, that I'm terrible. Like, all the thoughts can just happen. Now, in this fictitious event, let's imagine that I have these tools for challenging anxiety. What could I do? I send the email, I don't get a response. Maybe I start to breathe a little more shallow, like, oh my God, what happened? I could calm myself with some box breathing or just taking that one deep intentional breath. I could examine the facts and keep it real right then and there. I could nip it in the bud right there and just say, you know what? It's the end of the workday. Maybe they weren't at their email. Maybe they were away from their computer. Okay, we'll check it the next day. It's all good. But then that next day, I don't get the email back. And that's where the worry might really start to happen. So that's when I would need to 
do the box breathing, just capture my breath, grab the reins of it and say, okay, the actual fact is that I sent them the email and I have not heard back. I have no possible way of knowing why they did not write back. Maybe the email got trapped in some weird folder. Maybe they just stepped away from their computer. Maybe their computer system is down for whatever reason. Maybe they saw it, but they got busy and didn't want to reply right away. Maybe they, I mean, who's to say? I have no control over any of that. And what I've learned is that it is not worth it for me to get swept away by things that are 100% outside of my control. Because that is not the human experience. The human experience is we have all kinds of things outside of our control. So how are you going to stay true to yourself in spite of that? So what can I control? Well, all I can control is my response to my given circumstances. I can choose to breathe. I can choose to not let my physiology and my behavioral health be overrun by a conspiracy. And I know that my breath will keep me sane and measured and healthy. I can choose to stay focused on my self-care so I can continue to go on my walks. I can continue to lift weights. I can continue to eat well, see my friends, whatever it is that I need to do to keep myself healthy and well and balanced. And I can choose to stay focused on all the other work that I have to do and not get caught up in this one project that I am seeking a response to. I can choose to send a calm follow-up email after a couple of days and say, hey, I just wanted to touch base with you. I sent you my project. I'm really hoping you've had a chance to see it. Let's schedule a meeting in the next couple of days and discuss. I can choose to do that. Because the truth is, life is happening all the time. And we really have little control over any of it, really. All you can control is how you choose to show up and how you choose to respond to your life and how you choose to make your life. You take action as your highest good. And then in that way, you know that you're always putting out your best energy. And that will change the lens through which you see the world. So instead of it being an anxiety lens, which is, oh crap, everything's happening at me and I've got to keep my guard up and protect myself. Instead, when you choose to show up as your highest good, you begin to feel like everything is happening for you and you have so many choices and so much agency and you are so empowered to continue creating your gorgeous one life that everything becomes a creative possibility, even the challenges. So the more clear you get on how you want to show up in your life and get clear on the gifts that you want to share, the more you can get real with anxiety when it shows up. And if you need some tools on what I'm talking about, about getting real and, and how to meditate to know what your inner compass is and what your highest good feels like, check out my previous episodes. I've got resources there. But just as I finalize this talk about anxiety, for me, as I shared, it started to come up in middle school 
And of course, in middle school, I was just kind of lost at sea. Thankfully, I came into a drama class my freshman year of high school, and that helped, but it really became a life-changing tool for me when I went to a magnet program for theater for half the day starting my, let's see, I think it was my junior year of high school. That changed my life because then I found my freaky tribe that I could identify with, which always helps, but I began to channel my energy into creative pursuits. But in college, I started seeing a counselor. Thankfully, my college, as I think all colleges do these days, have counseling services, and I took advantage of it. And I eventually took uh, a medication to help with my anxiety and then found ways throughout my life to wean myself off of it, um, which only do under the close guidance of your doctor. But And that's like, how I did it. But, you know, found ways to channel my energy in other directions. But these tools that I've shared with you today, I came to know maybe about five years ago. And they have really, really changed the game for me. Anxiety still comes up for me every now and again, but it's not nearly the monster that it was. And so I hope that these tools that I've shared with you help you. And that we can continue to be real in this conversation because anxiety happens to so many people and it's okay. Life is chaotic. It can feel chaotic. And when you can see it as a puzzle that's really cool to figure out, you show up in a different way. So I hope that you're able to choose that. But really, start with the box breathing, start with challenging the conspiracy first. And if you need more tools and resources to do that inner work, reach out to me. All right, so that is my podcast today. I hope that you continue to put out your best work as a creative person because we need you and we need your work. Take care, everyone. If you like this show, please subscribe and leave a positive review. 